Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Dynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Jen Burke. The 2020 election saw historical turnout with over 62% of the eligible voting population and more than 148 million votes cast. Now that Joe Biden has been declared the 46th president-elect and the Senate majority will most likely be determined by two runoff elections in Georgia, I'm here with Dynamics' Mindy McGrath and Ryan Hummel to discuss what this election could mean for the healthcare industry. Healthcare was certainly a key issue in this election, particularly given the candidates' divergent policies and the increased attention on public health during the current COVID-19 pandemic. What impact on the healthcare industry might we expect to see from a Biden presidency? Hi, Jen. Uh, Thanks for asking that question. And I think before we get into kind of the Biden presidency's worldview of healthcare in in the middle of a pandemic, I think it's really just important to review kind of Trump and his presidency's blueprint on on this. And his administration gave states far more authority to run their own health insurance markets, run the COVID-19 pandemic from a governor's perspective, and gave them the power to devise their own strategies for COVID-19 testing, uh, for things like contract tracing and more. Uh, I think we all know there was no real federal or there is no real federal mask ordinance, no federal program that was ever enacted. There was the task force, of course, that we know all about. But I think you're going to see an, a, a much more federally backed approach under a Biden presidency. Uh, you know, he announced his uh, national task force on on COVID-19 and, and already stated that a national mask mandate and the possibility of, of, of more of a nationwide you know, stricter set of rules once he's elected and takes office on January 20th. Um, There's a lot of other things, too, that I think we might see. If you recall, uh, President Trump announced in late May that he was terminating the country's relationship with the World Health Organization, the WHO. And uh, we've talked about this before. The U.S. is the global health agency's largest contributor, and they they contribute to some say almost 15% of the total budget. Biden has said on record that he plans to repair that U.S. relationship with the World Organization and therefore probably reattaching a connection to uh, the WHO specifically under the COVID-19 pandemic. And, you know, there's some other stuff that that this task force has begun to talk about and things that you've read around a Biden presidency that may not be making complete headlines, uh, things like renewable funding for the states to balance their budgets, uh, expanding mental health uh, uh, reimbursements in this pandemic, which could help because we know that behavioral health and mental health issues have increased dramatically in the last six to eight months. Uh, We also talk about the 21st century caregiving workforce, which is an initiative that really is focused on providing a increased supply for minority caregivers as we see more care being um, placed at the home as we're, as we're actually caring for patients more at home. Um, the transition team has wasted no time. They, they, they named the COVID-19 advisory board very soon after he was deemed the president-elect, and, and I'm sure we'll see more. I think, Ryan, it'll be so interesting to see how quickly this new task force can hit the ground running. Um, given how President Trump might determine the allocation of the remaining $31 billion for the COVID-19 relief funds, and if this, the Congress chooses to pass any more relief aid 
to see, you know, will those funds really enable Biden's team to get working as soon as the inauguration happens? I'd like to take a wide lens view, though. Mindy, what are your thoughts on Biden's healthcare policy implications beyond sort of the immediate effects of the pandemic? I think what we're going to see from from Biden, if you look at the agenda as he outlined it um, during the election, is a very expansive agenda that really focuses on expanding coverage and addressing affordability, focusing on things like mergers and acquisitions. And we've seen a lot of consolidation in the industry over the last four years. And I think that there's a a real question for the Biden administration on how how beneficial that consolidation has been. Um, The other aspect is really building off of what the administration sees as a very solid foundation in the Affordable Care Act, um, you know, and really taking aspects of it that may have gaps and further um, furthering them along. You know, it's in many ways, I think that the that President-elect Biden is proposing somewhat of a return to the Obama administration's approach to healthcare um, by really focusing on how to to expand access to care in an incremental way um, by continuing some of the the focus that the CMS has had on progressing um, value-based care models and supporting the modernization of the FDA. You know, what's interesting to me is like, I, I think that we're in a really different spot than we were in um, when President Obama took office and actually pushed for the passage of the Affordable Care Act. Um, we are beginning to see really this evolution, I think, of the healthcare market where there is a focus on consumers. Um, we're seeing, you know, much more digital and virtual um, solutions coming to the market. We see value-based models have not only been introduced, but they've been uh, further pushed along both in the Obama administration as well as the Trump administration. Um, And I think we're seeing new entrants coming into the market as well. So what I expect to see from from this administration will be to continue to carry through the efforts to expand access to things like telehealth, um, to push for interoperability, which we know those standards have been set. Um, and really streamlining tools for digital health reviews um, that were really under consideration under the Trump administration, but something that that the Biden administration will continue to to progress. I think that um, there's some common priorities as well that you will see a a Biden administration focus on, especially around reining in drug pricing. In the near term, what we'll see is Biden probably repeal many of the executive orders that were signed by a Trump administration when it came to healthcare. Um, particularly around like the short-term limited duration insurance um, or those like skinny plans that we saw offered. Um, I think there'll be probably less of um, favorable action towards some of the Medicaid waivers that states have submitted. And then um, more focus on really getting the word out about the advantages of um, accessing healthcare coverage through the ACA's marketplace. Thanks, Mindy. I think that was a really comprehensive overview of some of Biden's more wide-ranging policies as it pertains to healthcare. Uh, but obviously, the presidential election wasn't the only item on the ballot uh, this past cycle, and there was definitely a lot of chatter how the Senate elections and how those turned out could even be more impactful for what could happen, you know, across the board, but particularly for healthcare. 
Um, so I'd love to understand what impact do you think the congressional elections are going to have on Biden's ability to implement his health care policy proposals? We just don't know yet, right? Which party that will control the Senate under a Biden administration still remains unclear, as you mentioned earlier. To clinch a majority, the Democrats need to win the two runoff elections in Georgia that are being held on January 5th. And if that happens, that would give Democrats control of the chamber because Vice President-elect Kamala Harris would then have the ability to break a tie. President Biden, in selecting his cabinet, is going to have to be thoughtful in how um, and who he selects for some of these roles for, for instance, uh, the head of health and human services. And, you know, typically, historically, um, getting cabinets passed to the Senate isn't always a big deal. It's part of kind of the tradition of president-elect to get those appointments done pretty quickly. There are senators on the Republican side that have been quoted to say that he would support um, 70% of, of, of some of the Senate confirmed appointments. So, so it remains to be seen, but it's really important that Biden understands the, the lay of the land before he makes those selections. And I think, you know, there are things that President Biden, no matter who becomes some of these um, cabinet selections can do, um, that would enact some of his thoughts around a, a new world of healthcare. A Biden administration could potentially implement operational changes um, on healthcare.gov and make it very clear that it's open for business. Um, a Biden administration could announce special enrollment periods for anyone who is uninsured to enroll in the marketplace coverage. Um, and that would be especially important for would-be enrollees who are probably newly uninsured due to the pandemic. You're right. I think you make a really interesting point too about some of the, the levers that can be pulled um, you know, outside of having a majority in the Senate. Although I will say, I think that the Senate vote is consequential to the extent that it will likely dictate how much can get passed when you look at a Biden administration's expansive agenda. Um, you know, we, we saw what the power of the pen in executive orders could do as well. And so I think there's really a balance between some of the legislative activity that could be encumbered um, by not having a Senate majority and you know, the regulatory um, aspects of being able to pass activity that's relative to the healthcare industry. So when I think about like what not having a, a Senate majority could mean, you think about some of the areas of focus of a Biden administration that would require legislation, such as adding a public option to the marketplace or allowing Medicare to negotiate drug pricing directly or increasing the premium tax credits that enable families to really purchase you know, more generous plans, that all would require cooperation um, from a Senate. And we saw right, in a Trump administration that even when you have the majority, that repealing the ACA was not a successful venture. So that would mean that, that not only would the Democrats have to make sure they had a majority, but make sure that they didn't lose any Democrats along the way if they were to really rely on, on solely legislative action to try to drive you know, a build off of the ACA. Um, I think another aspect of this question will be um, what happens if the recent Supreme Court hearing invalidates 
you know, parts or all of the ACA? And how much does that then reprioritize, you know, what the Biden administration actually will focus on, given the fact that there would be a really some common ground, but a lot of necessity to find a replacement plan and be able to pass that. I think Ryan and Mindy, you both make some really great points there around the types of issues that, you know, the Biden administration might have to work a little bit harder on if, um, you know, we're looking at more of a split ballot situation versus the blue wave. I think you're really right where it's going to be a question of how far is he able to push his agenda throughout, um, you know, his, his presidential term and what levers does he have to do in order to achieve that? And, you know, the California versus Texas Supreme court case, there were recently arguments heard And it's expected to rule out early next year. I think this case will have major implications for the future of the Affordable Care Act, but also for Biden's health care policies. I would love, Mindy, if we could go a little bit more deeply into that. I think there's a spectrum of possibilities. Um, Undoubtedly, the outcome of this ruling um, could have a major impact on the tenor of the U.S. health care system. Or it may be that the word of the day that we heard during the hearing was severability and the fact that the individual mandate is actually severed from the rest of the law, which would really probably give the healthcare industry the ability to breathe deeply and uh, you know, just pass a sigh of relief because the um, unwinding of the Affordable Care Act, which has really been the law of the land for the last decade, would be highly complex. It would have um, a lot of impact, not only to individuals, but to healthcare organizations as well. Um, I mean, we're talking things as as broad as people really losing the ability to have health insurance to things that that maybe the general public isn't always aware of, which is the the expansiveness of the ACA and what it did to further um, demonstrate how we practice, you know, value-based models and how biosimilar drugs are actually approved. I think that we have to take a paced approach to how we see the SCOTUS ruling and um, scenario plan to a certain degree, but also recognize that um, you never can be 100% sure on what you think the justices are asking and testing and how the ruling is going to come down. Yeah, Mindy, I agree. I think it'd be really probably dumb of both of us to kind of prognosticate, you know, because oral arguments were held and it sounds like the way some of the justices were asking questions that there's a good chance the ACA as a whole will not be struck down, but we've been surprised before. And let's go down that kind of middle of the road spectrum. There, There are some targets that I think the Biden administration would go after if the ACA coverage maintains. And, you know, some of those lists you mentioned earlier in the podcast um, exist, but, you know, things like extending open enrollment period back to 90 days, Um, you know, things like addressing broad exemptions in the contraceptive mandate, um, promoting access to nonprofit navigators. I think there's a list of a few things that the Biden administration could possibly do that I'll call it are not as controversial as other things revolving the right to choose and double building on abortion services, that kind of thing. I think from what I am reading and from what, if you read between the lines between kind of a a very monitored Joe Biden 
presidency, th there may be some non-controversial things that they can do right off the bat if, in fact, the ACA is still intact after the, the, the reading is read. One of the things that, that um, as a healthcare organization, when I think about, you know, what the implications of, of this ruling would be is like, it's been pressure tested multiple times now, right, in the Supreme Court and, and has kind of withstood those tests time and again. Um, but we also have a, a much more conservative um, Supreme Court than we had, you know, even a couple of years ago in 2015 when, when the last um, challenge was, was uh, remanded to the Supreme Court. So I think if you're a healthcare organization and, and you're thinking about um, what the impacts of this could be, um, there is a certain degree of, of just assessing, you know, different types of scenarios. Uh, because I think the last thing that, that anyone wants is to be caught flat-footed when the decision is read out, which could be in the spring, it could be as late as June of this year. Um, you know, we have open enrollment going on right now. Uh, that should absolutely not, you know, uh, hamper people from, from continuing to utilize the marketplace because the fact of the matter is like, we really just don't know where things are going to land. And, and the individual mandate, if we think about it, that tax was zeroed out almost three years ago. And the marketplace has continued to stay, act in a stable manner. So um, I am not a constitutional lawyer, but I would say that, you know, it is interesting to think about severing that piece of the law and how much of it would really have an impact, probably very little, um, yeah. which would allow, right, like um, the Biden administration to continue to focus on what their key priorities are. Um, and it would allow, I think, the healthcare system as a whole to probably once again, be able to focus on you know, the agenda that they've set for themselves as organizations. I think just, you know, in summary, that individual mandate when enacted in 2010 was seen as this like really crucial uh, ticket to bring healthy people into the marketplace. And as we've seen in the last three years, as that has not been um, addressed at all, <laughs> enrollment in the ACA plans, like you mentioned, has remained pretty stable. I think something like 11 and a half million folks signed up on the Affordable Care Act exchanges in 2019 and 2020, and just a tick under 11.8 million in 2018, the last year, the mandate was in effect. So to your point, it's been some stable enrollment in the ACA. So I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, and one more thing I would just add is the Urban Institute um, just released a study that you know, during this, this pandemic, more than 3 million Americans have actually dropped out of employer-sponsored coverage, but most have been able to either sign up or qualify for Medicaid, CHIP, or through the marketplace. So I do think it speaks to the importance of having a stable marketplace and, and a stable Affordable Care Act you know, that where states were able to expand their Medicaid, where there were options now during this pandemic for people to actually still have coverage, even if they lost their employer-sponsored coverage. And I'm not saying that the justices are considering that in their equation, because I think they really are looking at the constitutionality piece of it, but there is like a real practical element here to the importance of the ACA in terms of acting as a safety net during this time of crisis. Thanks, Mindy and Ryan. I think it's so clear that this has been a very interesting and unusual election cycle uh, for more reason than one, but also specifically because the impact on the healthcare industry is still 
so uncertain, even though we're a bit more clear on what we can expect from Biden's policy. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in the episode, to subscribe to the Trending Health podcast, and to explore if Dynamic can help your company manage ongoing healthcare industry change, visit trendinghealth.com. Tune into the next episode, where we look forward to providing you with more insights on the healthcare industry.